Well, those who are regular here will know that for uh, for a few months we've been going through a sermon series called Blessed to be a Blessing, where we've looked at the life of Abraham and how Abraham learnt to trust God. And we're continuing today uh, looking at uh The life of Abraham, Genesis chapter 21, is going to be our first reading. So in the Church Bible, it's on page 26. Uh, Page 26, I'm going to read Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 to 21. Genesis chapter 21 and verse 1. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? And yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share any inheritance with my son Isaac. Well, the matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, Do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you because it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he's your offspring. Well, early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar, and he set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. And she went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. And when the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes and then she went off and sat down about a bowshot away for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. And God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. And then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up, and he lived in the desert, and he became an archer. And while he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. Well, our second reading is from the New Testament, Luke chapter 23, starting at verse 33. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. 
and he divided up his clothes by and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him, and they said, "Ah, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah, God's chosen one." And the soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, "Ah, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself." And there was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Well, this is God's word. I wonder if you would turn back in your Bible to Genesis chapter 21. And we'll pray and we'll, uh, we'll have a think about what this means and how this lands in our lives today. Let's pray. Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit's help. We pray that you'll enable us to reflect truly on our own hearts as we reflect on your word. Lord, may you lead us to Christ. Amen. Well, I once uh, told my friend a joke and he was rolling on the floor laughing. I guess that means some people can't stand jokes. Get it? Get it? Yes, Susie said she she would laugh even if no one else did. There there was another man who he, he read a joke, he just died of laughter, and after reading it, well, the detective agreed that, yeah, it was a killer joke. It's nice to hear some of you laughing, some of you groaning. Um, one of the things I missed during COVID was that there, there was no one in the building. I was, I was speaking to the camera and I, and I couldn't hear you laugh. I couldn't, he- I couldn't hear your response. Either that or maybe my jokes weren't remotely funny. <laughs> Make him stop. But isn't it, isn't one of the wonderful things about being human that God has made us with the ability to laugh. And there's all sorts of studies that show the benefits of laughter. Uh, Laughter lowers your stress levels. Laughter increases oxygen in your body. Laughter strengthens your immune system. Laughter reduces your risk of heart attack. Laughter strengthens social relationships. They've found that married couples who laugh together are more likely to stay together. And you know from your own experience, when you've had a good laugh, you just just feel better about life in general. Laughter is a powerful medicine. And yet laughter can also be a soul-destroying poison because when someone laughs at you don't don't you just feel like crawling into a hole in the ground 
Even, even the thought that someone might laugh at you can just cripple you with fear or anxiety or shame. When, when laughter is wrongly directed, laughter can be a form of bullying. And, and then people can react either with anger and revenge or, or just with, with self-hatred and loss of confidence. Laughter, just like, just like so many gifts of God, laughter can be used for profound good or for deadly evil. And laughter is a theme running right through today's passage. Uh, today we're focusing on Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 to 21, and we're going to see three things in this passage. First, it'll tell us about the birth of Mr. Laughter himself. And then second, there is an invitation to laugh with him. And then thirdly, there's a warning about laughing at him. So the big, uh, the big event that happens in this chapter is introduced right at the start. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. You notice that it's repeated in that verse. There's a focus here that God is keeping his word. God is doing what he said. So many times in the, in the chapters we've been reading over the last few months, God's been saying to Abraham, 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 you will have a son. Your son will be born by your wife, Sarah. And in a sense, this has been a key part of what Abraham's faith has been about. Faith for Abraham meant trusting that God is going to keep his word no matter how hard it looks. I mean, there was some wondering and some doubting and some nervous laughter along the way. Uh, You might remember when God first told Abraham in chapter 17, verse 17, uh, that he said, Abraham, your wife Sarah is going to have a son. And by this stage, she was already quite elderly. What did Abraham do? He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? And then the same thing in chapter 18, when Sarah heard the promise, what did she do? Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? See, the name of the child, uh, the name of the child is kind of Mr. Laughter. Laughter has been a part of his story and the name Isaac comes from the word for laughter. In the Hebrew language, Yitzhak, Isaac, literally means he laughs. And so this is a, this is a joyful moment for Abraham and Sarah as a couple because there's been so much waiting. And yet this is, this is not just a moment for them. This is a big moment in the story of the world. Because let's just remember, I mean, we're up to 21. Let's remember what's happened in this book of Genesis so far. Remember we began, God created a good world, a place of joy and safety with everything you need. But then Adam and Eve trusted the word of the snake instead of the word of God. 
and things began to change and human relationships began to break down and the created world itself started to slide into chaos. But in, in that moment, right near the beginning, do you remember God made a promise? Remember, remember Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. God said, I'm going to send the, I'm going to send the offspring of the woman. I'm going to send someone who will come from the, from the family of the woman who's going to undo all the damage that's been done by the snake and his false words. And so the book of Genesis has been following the line of people from Adam and Eve onwards, the line of people heading towards this person, the, the offspring of the woman. Remember, it's followed the line of the promise through Seth and Noah and now we're up to Abraham but when we started reading Abraham's story, pretty much the first thing we learned is that there's a problem. Uh, Abraham, Abraham, the, the next one in this promised line, is married to someone who can't have kids. And so, so the big question in all these chapters is, well, can this promised line heading towards the, the promised saviour, can this line continue if Sarah can't have kids? Now, God's promise, he keeps saying, it, it will, it will, it's going to happen. And, and God keeps repeating, Abraham, through you, through you, through your offspring, actually all the people on earth will be blessed. And we've thought about how this story of Abraham and Sarah shows how God is happy to bring his blessing to the world the difficult way to show his promise-keeping power. And this is, this is why this moment is such a big one that we've read about today. Beyond all medical probability, Sarah gives birth to Mr. Laughter at 90 years of age. And you could say it's, it's kind of God's sense of humour that he chooses the most unlikely woman to be the mother of the child of the promise. Sarah sees the funny side of it. In verse 6, Sarah says, Hey, God's brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. Did you see that? that there's an invitation there. There's an invitation to laugh with Sarah. Because for Sarah, that the birth of Isaac is a, it's a reminder to not take herself too seriously. Sarah realises the, the kind of most significant thing that's ever happened to her is not down to her natural abilities, not down to her cleverness, not down to her hard work. It's entirely a gift of God. It's, it's his grace that's enabled this. And, and God enjoys this. It's out of God's delight that he does wonderful things and shows his power through our weakness. I mean, compare, compare Sarah's laughter with uh, Psalm 126. So it's, this is a psalm written in a much later time when God brought his people home out of exile. But notice how they sang about it. They, they said, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. You know, we couldn't believe this was going to happen. Our mouths were filled with what? Laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. So this is a joyful laughter. This is a, this is a laughter that's prompted by God's grace. 
it's kind of it's kind of laughing at yourself with, with thankfulness, thinking, "Hang on a minute, <laughs> who who am I? Who am I that God would pay attention to me and that God would do great things for me?" And 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 why was I like why was I worried so much about my own weakness? I mean, from Sarah's angle, it's wow, here was I, I was so stressed, I was so down about being childless, I was thinking I had to fix everything myself and and God just did it. Why do you, she's laughing at herself and thinking, why did I think it would be so hard for God to do what he'd promised? And so will you accept the invitation to laugh in this way? Can, can, can you laugh at the weakness of your own faith and so share in the joy of a God who delights in being gracious to you? Okay, so we've seen how Mr. Laughter is born, how we're invited to laugh with him. But in this chapter, there's also a warning about misdirected laughter. Uh, Let me read from verse 8. The child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. So you remember, you got Abraham and Sarah, but Abraham's had a previous child with Hagar, his maid. And that child's name was Ishmael. And it doesn't tell us exactly what Ishmael was doing. The word in our Bible is mocking. Um, in the original language, it's a, it's a variation on the word for laughter. So Ishmael is laughing at Mr. Laughter. Instead of... Instead of Ishmael celebrating the grace of God that, wow, God has given me a little brother, it seems like he's trying to put that little brother down in his place. He's teasing him. He's not laughing with him. He's laughing at him. Remember, laughter, powerful medicine, soul-destroying poison. And so Sarah's really upset with this. Sarah says, hey, enough is enough, Abraham. You need to get rid of Hagar and her son. There is not room for the two of us in this town. And, I mean, you, you look back to chapter 16. There's this history between these two women and uh, both of them have contributed to it in different ways. Um, it's It's one of these things, you know, Abraham had more than one wife, but it's showing that that really didn't work out very well. And as we read, the solution to this problem ends up being that Hagar and Ishmael do get sent away while Sarah and Isaac get to stay. And I'm sure some of you have questions about this. Like, is there, is there an ethical problem here? Because on one level it doesn't sound like very good parenting to send your son away into the desert. And it was. It was was an ethical dilemma for Abraham. Verse 11. 
the matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God tells him, don't worry, go ahead. Let me make four brief comments about this. First of all, just just because God tells him to go ahead and do it, that doesn't mean that God agrees with Sarah's attitude. I'll read you a little quote from a writer called George Bush. Not, Not the American president, George Bush, just another guy who happens to be called George Bush. This is what he wrote. He said, God does not require Abraham to accept Sarah's proposal because he approved the spirit which prompted it, but because it agreed with God's plan and his repeated declarations that all the blessings of the covenant were to belong preeminently to Isaac. So, see, there's a, there's a bigger story. There's a bigger purpose here. And you've got, you got to wonder, hey, what, what would have happened if Ishmael and Isaac had grown up side by side if, if this pattern just continues for the years ahead and Ishmael is constantly putting down his little brother, are we going to get to the point where they're, they're fighting and feuding over the inheritance? Um, by separating these two brothers, God's kind of saying to Isaac, hey, I've got your back. I'll protect you. Because Isaac, through you, I'm going to bring the saviour. Through you, I'm going to bring blessing to the whole world. There's a sense in which Ishmael, when he's mocking Isaac, he's mocking this whole plan of God. He's, he's, in a sense, he's, he's mocking the Savior to come. And God's saying, no, I'm, t- I'm determined to push ahead towards this blessing. A second thing I want to say about this in verse 14. Uh, Notice verse 14, Abraham puts food on her shoulders. So it's it's not like he goes, hey, here's one sandwich. He's giving her as much food as she can carry. Uh, A third thing, we should understand that Ishmael, he's not a baby or a toddler. Um, If you do the maths in, you know, with the age of Abraham and all this, Ishmael is a about 16 years old when he's sent away. Um, no doubt it was hard for him, but I mean, I've got a 14-year-old boy who's about to go on a week-long wilderness camp with his school, and my son, you know, he grew up here in the city. Whereas Ishmael is a kid who had grown up living in tents, and so he should know how to survive in the outdoors. A fourth thing I want to say about this is we should notice that really the focus of the end of this chapter is how God hears Ishmael and God shows him grace. Because at first it seems like this is going horribly wrong. They've run out of water, they're ready to die. But God hears, God comforts, God shows them, here's the water that you need. In verse 20, it says, God was with the boy as he grew up. And so even though Ishmael's coming out from Abraham's protection, Ishmael's still under God's protection. And this is actually, this chapter is a story of God's grace to both of Abraham's sons. 
God's grace to Ishmael is that he's going to be father of a great nation. God's grace to Isaac is that he will be father of a great nation and father of the Saviour. Um, so, so Isaac gets more blessing than Ishmael? Is that, is that fair? Well, it's not really about fair, it's grace. It's, it's, God is giving both of them a gift. See, if, if I give two of you a gift, if, if your gift is worth $20 and your gift is worth $50, is that unfair? I can give gifts to whoever I like. Um, just, to, just to comment on current affairs for a moment. This, um, this conflict between these two boys is still not entirely resolved because many Jewish people today see Isaac as their father. Many Palestinians see Ishmael as their father. On both sides, there are claims to be children of Abraham. I think we should be, we can recognise that. I think we should be cautious in drawing lines too simplistically between chapters like this straight into the current conflict. Um, just because the, I guess the solution in this chapter is kind of a, a two-state solution that doesn't necessarily translate into the modern political context. Um, because we've got to remember that in between this story and us, there's something pretty important that's happened. You see, where all this is heading to the Saviour, Jesus Christ, born from the line of Isaac, he has come and he's given an invitation to all the world to come to him and to discover a new and a deeper experience of God's grace. See, it's... When you hear people discussing the, the Middle East at the moment, sometimes it just feels like you have to take sides, like there's, like there's two football teams and you've got to choose one to have a crushing victory over the other. But, but if you take this chapter and, and you put it in the bigger context of the Bible, then you realise that the real question for us today, it's, it's not are we Team Isaac or Team Ishmael, the real question is, hey, where's all this going? It's going to the Saviour. And are we going to laugh with the Saviour or at him? I mean, the politicians will have to make the best decisions they can, but for us as a church, what's our concern? Our concern is that, hang on a minute, we've got, we've got two sides here and both of them need the good news that the Saviour has come. Both of them need, the, need to be humbled by the news of, of a generous God who, who, who pours out his grace on us. And so let me, let me finish by reminding you of the good news of the Saviour and how laughter is part of that news. I mean, in our New Testament reading, we read about how, how the Saviour came and was sentenced to death with the involvement of both Jews and non-Jews. And how the Saviour was laughed at and mocked by both Jews and non-Jews. 
Just, just look what it says. It says, this is what we read before. The rulers, this is as Jesus is on the cross, the rulers even sneered at him. They're, they're, they're the Jewish rulers. And then it says the soldiers, the Roman soldiers came up and what did they do? Mocked him. I mean, surely one thing that today's passage has taught us is what a, what a serious thing it is to mock the child of the promise. What, what a destructive thing to laugh at someone that God loves. And yet, I'm sure if we're honest, you and I have been guilty of laughing at the expense of others, maybe even laughing at Christ himself. Well, what's going on at the cross when, when the Saviour is on the receiving end of all this poisonous laughter? It's, it's that on the cross, he's taking our place and taking our sins on himself and bearing the penalty of it. Because, you know, why is it, why is it that we are so afraid of being laughed at? Isn't it this, this sense that there is, that there is something shameful, something about us which falls short and that, and that when we think about the, the last day, the final day, that there's a fear of, of being exposed. And yet, Jesus hung on that cross fully exposed, laughed at, in a sense taking all, all, all that should be coming to us on the last day for our sin and taking that on himself. And as he hung there in weakness, humiliated, laughed at, in, in God's surprising way, at that very moment, God was also pouring out his grace on us. At the cross, God was saying, hey, I've got your back. Because though your sins are many, my mercy is more. Your sins will not be the end of you. I will bless you because my son has dealt with all your sins. And then, of course, comes the resurrection, which means that Jesus has the last laugh. The resurrection means that God has done the impossibly hard thing, even, even harder than making a, an old lady pregnant. He has brought life from the dead. And he saved us by his grace and he's invited us to share in that joy and laughter of the risen Saviour. And so, friends, Let's take both the warning and the invitation seriously. If you laugh at God, if you live a life which mocks the Saviour, you will be sent away. But if you receive this invitation to marvel at his grace, in a sense to laugh with joy at what God has done, then you are welcomed into God's joy and his laughter for all eternity. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, thank you that you created us with the ability to laugh. Thank you that you're a generous God and that uh, because we're saved by your grace, we don't have to take ourselves too seriously. Please enable us to be thankful and to delight and to be in wonder and amazement that you would send your son to take our punishment, to pour out your grace on us. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.